Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 295 with a review of Godzilla. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, you know, we are trying to find shelter as a giant Godzilla creature uh, called Godzilla is wreaking havoc on our cities. Mm-hmm. I think we should give a preemptive apology just in case anyone decides to lapse into uh, their Japanese impressions yes. <laughs> of, of certain um, characters or just of, you know, in general. We, we mean no offense. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's only out of pure, uh, uh, compl- it's purely complimentary. It, it's largely been informed by South Park and Team America. <laughs> yes. It's not, it not your fault. Yes. Yeah, if we're doing an impression of anybody of Asian descent, we're actually doing an impression of comic people doing impressions we're of We're doing them. an yeah. impression yes. of of dumbass people doing impressions. It's a, it's a satire. We're, we're actually, yeah, we're making a big meta commentary yes. on the state of racism and yellow face in this country. Right, it's very yes. satirical, yeah. But in case that goes over your head, then, you know, it's, it's, we're basically, feel free to complain. We're pulling a Colbert. It's, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a ching-chong yeah. ding-dong. Hashtag cancel Colbert. Right, exactly. <laughs> hey, people can cancel Colbert all they want now because... Because he is going away. <laughs> He's got another job. Well, now. I guess uh, cancel late night. It should be the new hashtag. Yeah, yeah. Well, b- really, before was, he even shows his, up, his character that made the well, the staff for his character made the offensive remark or whatever. So technically, you know, if he's doing another show and he's not the same character anymore, then that's he's right. completely absolved yeah. of anything bad that he did. It, yeah. it, though they were mad at the actor, not the character. So I bet the people who hired him for late night freaked out when that hashtag started getting popular but it's funny because they hired him after it happened so clearly they didn't care well, well they announced it after it oh happened, that's but true they, yeah. probably, they, they had to be they well probably already, already had him locked in so well actually yeah. no it was really smart to do it if you think about it and this obviously has nothing to do with this podcast anymore but um think about it so as this is so first like the hashtag appeared and like personally i didn't hear about the hashtag until like, you know, everybody else started reporting on it. So if you just do a Google search for Colbert, I'm sure that everything that was coming up was like, Colbert, racist, hashtag, cancel Colbert. As soon as they announced he was taking over, like, all the news changed to that. And it, it probably mm. helped either equalize or overthrow the, the you know, the news that was out there. So it's basically like cutting off. So it's like everybody is basically they forced it into mass saturation of who knew that this was going on by putting more quote unquote important Colbert news into the, um, you know, the internets. Yeah. And you've been listening to Conspiracy Theory with Chris Schnazy. Uh, <laughs> <up> next, <coughs> yes. we're going to talk about what really happened to JFK. Uh, next up, <laughs> our guest is Roberto Orsi. He's going to tell us that the next Star Trek is going to be all about We've got how 9 11 didn't happen. <laughs> Uh, good times. Yeah. It's gonna be good. Star Trek three, nine eleven mm. truthers. I mean, I can't wait. All right. Well, what do you say before we all dive into more and more, uh, you know, conversations about stuff unrelated to Godzilla? What do you say we dive mm. in and We're gonna start our paratrooper in? Huh? We're gonna paratrooper in. I can't wait. All badass with our flares. We're gonna do a little halo drop with some, yeah. with some flare action. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time if you hear loud coughing noises in this episode. That's actually Godzilla, um, actually. Yeah, 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 it's Godzilla, not me. Yeah. But, you know, he's here in this room coughing constantly. Uh, I'll try to keep him down. Yeah. Like, ah, shut up, Godzilla. 
All right. Well, anyways, let's go ahead and listen to the trailer for Godzilla and then come back and give everybody a review. I want to talk to somebody in charge. You are not fooling anybody when you say that what happened was a natural disaster. You're lying. It was not an earthquake. It wasn't a typhoon. Because what's really happening is that you're hiding something out there. And it is going to send us back to the Stone Age. In 1954, we awakened something. Well, there's nuclear tests in the Pacific. Not tests. They were trying to kill it. You have no idea what's coming. You just listened to the trailer for Godzilla, and uh, you know, I'm going to make this short and sweet. There is this giant creature named Godzilla, mm. and uh, you know, at the beginning Wait, of this Wait, back film, up. Huh? No, I'm, just I'm already lost. What did you say? <laughs> I said back up. <laughs> Hold the phone. All right, anyways, all you need to know about Godzilla is giant <laughs> creature uh, wreaking havoc in a city and a bunch of people trying to figure out what to do about it. Yeah. So, Looking let's, petrified. Let's just go... Well, actually, before we start... Uh, let's go around our little digital table here and kind of uh, explain to everybody what your history is with Godzilla as a property. Carson. Um, well, uh, I've seen and love the original Godzilla, and I've seen a lot of the other, uh, like, 25 Godzilla sequels that they made, like Godzilla vs. Mothra and, like, all those other, like, Mecha Godzilla, like, all those uh, sequels. And, uh, of course, I've seen the... Uh, the, I mean, the amazing Roland Emmerich Godzilla. Uh, I remember seeing that in theaters and being very fond of it, uh, having very fond memories of it. But uh, looking back on it, having seen it recently, it's pretty terrible, but I, I still get a little nostalgia from it. You know, what's, what's sad about uh, a film like that one is when I think back to it, the only thing I can remember is the MTV Movie Awards sketch of the whole scene of them in the, the cab. Yeah, I do remember that. 
I, yeah, I'm it was like a big po- uh, promotion for it. And I remember the Super Bowl ad where they're in like a museum and then Godzilla's foot steps on like the the skeleton of the T-Rex. Yeah, yeah. And everyone got all excited. But, I do uh, remember that. I also remember yeah. the post-credit stinger with the leftover egg or whatever. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, I mean, we can't forget the, the awesome soundtrack with Green Day and that uh, P. Diddy rapping over... Uh, was it cashmere yeah oh that was good (laughs) it was a hot soundtrack back in the day uh anyway yeah so i was very excited for this new incarnation of godzilla um uh mainly because i mean we haven't really gotten a godzilla movie in a while and the guy directing it gareth edwards i really like monsters that was a cool movie and I thought he he did a really good job with that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think I've said before, like every time I saw the trailer, got really excited. It was one of those trailers where, uh, you know, they played it so much, and it had like the the Brian Cranston monologue. It was one of those where, like, you know, that I'm at least I know I'm excited about a movie. Like when you're when I'm driving in the car, like in the shower, and then I'll just start like quoting the trailer. You drive your car in the shower? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I'll just start quoting the trailer and uh, or, you know, trying to do my, my impression of the Godzilla roar or something. So I was pretty excited. <laughs> right. You know, just driving around going like, it's not a typhoon. It's gonna send us back to the Stone Age. Mm. <laughs> I'll right. just, I'll, I'll 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 uh, hold the Godzilla roar for later. I won't grace you with that right now. Right, it's, well, it's so good. Well, let's let Stephen grace us with with his memories of of Godzilla. Yeah. So I am. Um, I'm sure I saw some of the campy, older Godzilla movies. Definitely. I mean, I I have good recollections of those. But to me, the biggest movie that impacted me was the latest one with Matthew Broderick because it was the first DVD we ever owned in my <laughs> oh, house. Yes. Nice. Which means, and we got surround sound oh. uh, at the same time. So I remember many, many, many nights of sitting in that house watching this Godzilla movie. <laughs> I, I must have seen it at least 25 times. <laughs> at a bare minimum, I mean, I've so seen good. this movie 25 times. So, so hold on, just real, real fast, just, just so that I'm on the same page as you. You're saying that going into this film, your big concern was that it wasn't going to ruin your memory of Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, I, I just didn't want it to Yeah, of 1998 to tarnish, Godzilla. To tarnish the wonderful 1998 Godzilla film. Yes. Uh, no, I mean, I thought, in, in hindsight, that movie did not fare so well to me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but at the time, I definitely was extremely familiar with it. So I, I'm going to say that's my biggest... Godzilla influence right now, uh, but really I'm not, I'm not that well versed in the Zilla verse, whatever we call yeah. it. Um, I'm I'm aware of the concept, you know, of the big monster that fights other monsters. Occasionally, just wreaks havoc without fighting other monsters. Blah blah blah. <laughs> but otherwise, very few preconceived notions going into this. Okay, so uh, for me, I am um, I'm technically, I guess, in a similar boat like godzilla is one of those things where like even if you kind of never watch godzilla it's part of the culture enough that you are aware of it's like without ever having to like if you grow up in the last you know billion years whatever 
without even having to actually sit down and go like, oh, I'm going to watch this Godzilla. If somebody's like, oh, no, Godzilla's attacking, um, you know exactly what they mean, whether or not you're familiar with Godzilla's yeah. stories. It's part of the uh, zeitgeist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's 100% there. And, and uh, so for me, I've like I've never sat down, you know, obviously, you know, I saw the Matthew Broderick one in theaters, um, but out, outside of, of that, it wasn't like there's ever been a time where I have physically taken a medium containing a Godzilla film, purposely stuck it in a device to watch it, whether that be a VCR or a DVD or whatever. Keeping general, don't exclude anything. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, Laser or, disc. Or, or even a torrent. I've never torrented a, a mm. uh, you know, Godzilla property either. And, and, and um, it's... It's just one of those things that I've been aware of. Now, there's definitely been times where, like, Godzilla marathons are running on TV, and I would watch part of a fight um, without any real context for what's going on, other than, like, um, there's a Godzilla guy, I'm assuming because it's called Godzilla, he's the hero, <laughs> he's going <laughs> to fight this other puppet thing over there. Um, so, I don't know, I don't really, I don't have a fondness for Godzilla at all. Um, but you know, this trailer was super badass. <laughs> like, uh, from that first teaser with the, you know, the guys doing the little halo jump in, um, I was super sold and, uh, I didn't really care whether this movie was related to any other property. Um, normally I would be like, really, they're making another one of these old ass movies. Um, but I was excited. Um, but not necessarily because of my connection to the series, just because I thought the trailer was awesome. You guys still with me? I'm I'm here. I'm here. I was, I'm, okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure there's no disconnections again. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were so raptured by uh, your retelling of Godzilla. <laughs> I was just, I was in the moment. It just brought me back to my childhood. Yeah. It brought me back to, City. to Matthew Broderick. Brought me back to Broderick. To Broderick. Ferris Bueller trying to fight Godzilla. <laughs> Uh, if only he had like his go-go gadget powers, he probably could have. Yeah, he would have done some uh, work against. He would have been a formidable opponent. Yeah, go-go gadget radiation <laughs> signal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, go-go gadget screenplay. Oh, zing! <laughs> <laughs> that may have been what they did. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, so oh, this is offensive. So now that I'm done rapturing you guys with my retelling of what I know or what little I know about Godzilla. Uh, Carson, what did you think of the actual film that we all saw? Uh, well, like I said, I was very excited. And um, if you were to have pulled me like around the five minute mark of this movie. Is that like a been, euphemism? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I would have totally gotten off is what I'm trying to say. But uh, <laughs> no, but if you were to have been like, Hey, I'm Christopher Snazy of the Spoiler Warning Podcast. Carson Patrick, what is your review of this film? What are your what is your rating? I would have been like, I would have given this the biggest must see of all time. Um, I could not have munched my popcorn hard enough during the first five minutes because I was totally on board. I was in it. Brian Cranston was doing his thing, um, and. Uh, yeah, then there's a there's a moment in the movie that takes a turn, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of is it a turn off a of scaffolding? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. How did you know? Um, but 
you can really liken this movie to, uh, it really is the cinematic equivalent of Morning Glory. I mean, it starts off so strong, (laughs) and then it just quickly goes away. Uh, Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, it was, whew, it was uh, hard as a rock in the beginning, and then it just quickly, it like really slowly deflates uh, after a certain <laughs> moment that we mentioned. We're we still talking about the, mo- the movie? We're, or... we're talking about the movie. Uh, yeah, dude, like I was, uh, <sighs> once certain characters uh, are removed from the picture, I was, uh, I just, it just became a real, real descent into mediocrity. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I like I like this structure of this movie. Like I liked what they were going for in the sense that they were trying to build up Godzilla, and they weren't they were kind of taking the Jaws approach, where like we don't show you the monster until later. And I I totally was on board with that. But at a certain point, it was like, okay, well now. I want to see Godzilla because everything else that's happening right now is not interesting at all. So at least, like, let's see Godzilla fighting. Uh, that would be, you know, maybe more entertaining than um, a bunch of really good actors standing around doing, like, the whole expository dialogue. Basically doing, like, all the algorithms dialogue and just standing around <laughs> telling you things that you already know or it's just not very interesting um we were joking beforehand like ken watanabe has his watch that stopped at hiroshima and like we they have to explain like what it is and it's like yeah we kind of got that guy at, at least they didn't explain what hiroshima meant that would have been pretty bad but yeah um <laughs> yeah you know stuff like that and uh I, I don't know, like, I think that, uh, I think overall the movie is a disappointment. And like I said, I was excited for it because I really enjoyed uh, the guy's first movie, Monsters. Like, I think that movie is, like, akin to District 9 where they did so much with so little. And uh, and I, I was, like, I was stoked. I was like, ah, this is the perfect guy to take on, like, the ultimate uh, movie monster. And, um when it all like boils down to is that well here i'll say this first honestly i enjoyed roland emmerich's godzilla more than this movie and (laughs) and i i I completely am aware of how stupid it is but at least that movie knows that it's stupid whereas this godzilla is completely stupid and they're taking it so seriously uh and um yeah like i think that yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just totally lost what I was going to say because I know how to speak. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll send it over to Steven because I completely lost my train of thought. All right, Steven. Did you like Roland Emmerich's Godzilla more than this movie? <laughs> I'm afraid to make a statement like that. Um, <laughs> I will... I put it out there, so... I, I will say that maybe other than that particular statement i agree with carson just about 100 percent. granted i may have not made the morning wood analogy though you, <laughs> made, you said morning glory which i thought you meant the tv uh the movie that's oh, what yeah. i thought at first too <laughs> the but... harrison ford yeah well that movie was <laughs> good too i actually i would rather watch that than godzilla again but uh two um, two completely different films yeah but no, no i i feel the same way i felt like with with the intro, with Brian Cranston, Cranstoning up everything that was going on, yeah. I was very much into this movie. It felt 
very well structured. It was building suspense. It seemed like it was going to be something very epic when the monster finally came. And then around the time I think we're all referring to, <laughs> the movie definitely took a turn for the worse. Definitely um, did. <laughs> it, you could say it plummeted or it crushed my expectations. Plummeted like those um, paratroopers. I don't know. It, it, it was still well done in, in the sense that the 3D, the, uh, the CG was cool. The destruction scenes were interesting. Maybe interesting is the wrong word. They were captivating, at least. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't, like, entirely bored or just wishing I could leave. But they really just didn't pay off any of the buildup at all in this movie. Yeah. Like, the first 20 minutes or so, you think, wow, this is building up to when when we finally see Godzilla, it's going to be awesome. Like, like, like it seems like the stakes are even higher. They're making it bigger, even more crazy CG. This is dark. This is cool. And then when you do finally get to see Godzilla and the context in which you see it, it's just like, oh, okay, this big lizard is fighting and it, uh, whatever. It didn't feel <laughs> any more captivating than puppets, actually. Like, for all the CG, it was not that lifelike feeling whatsoever well, you know, i i, I want to make a comment real fast just 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 to that point and and this isn't me trying to defend the film because i think it's a problem because i can't tell whether it's trying to homage or whether it's trying to it just is shitty cg um mm-hmm. there's a scene and i don't know i don't know how spoilery it is to talk about uh godzilla and the possible other threats that are happening in this film. I, I think that was in the trailer, right? Yeah, they kind of allude to it. Yeah, well, so let's just say that there's a scene where Godzilla grabs something with his Godzilla mouth and <laughs> flings mm-hmm. it sideways. Yeah. Now, that object has absolutely zero ragdoll. Like, there is... It, you you would expect if... Like, think, uh, for instance, Jurassic Park, right? T-Rex, you know, the you know big climactic scene of that film, T-Rex grabbing a velociraptor and then just chucking it by whipping its neck and throwing it, right? The right. velociraptor is being propelled from the part that the T-Rex's teeth are grabbing and the rest of the body is kind of floating behind it limp because, you know, it just grabbed this velociraptor, like, through its neck and just chucked it, right? And it's so probably like, dead and it's way lighter than a T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. it just... When something, when an object is thrown, the, you know... It, there's there's ragdoll that happens there's some lipness there's some movement and that like you know this thing is thrown and doesn't move it kind of exists in a plane and it sort of stays stiff and rigid while rotating and there's there's just no ragdoll on this object that's being thrown and it mm-hmm. i couldn't tell watching that whether somebody just didn't think to make any of it limp or whether it was homaging the fact that Back in the day, that would have been like a puppet on strings with no uh, articulation, and that that would be a, that's a pretty deep uh, yeah, grasp. I, I think <laughs> let's homage. That's almost bad giving them CG. too much credit. <laughs> no, I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like it's either <laughs> let, that, let's that was either bad like, animation with our own CG. <laughs> with our own terrible CG. Well, like like for for instance, so if you, if you look back at Noah and everybody's controversial rock monsters, like mm. the rock monsters have this stop motion kind of shitty animation. That's look true. To them. Yeah. But it's purposeful to give them that that look. Um, yeah, because I mean, clearly in the modern day, there's no reason other than on purpose to have <laughs> animation look that way. Yeah. So, 
So yeah, I don't know why I just anyway. Sorry, that was a little tangent. Go ahead, continue, Stephen. Well, yeah. I, so, sorry, before Stephen continues, I just want to throw out this is what I remember what I was going to say in that even though uh, we already got the quintessential serious Godzilla reboot, in my opinion, and it was called Cloverfield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom. There you go. Now you can continue, Stephen. Boom. Do you agree with that statement? <laughs> I will somewhat agree. I, I will say I would have been happier if this movie were more of a Cloverfield. Yeah. Where you do not see much of Godzilla head on. Because I think the moment... I, it clearly made a decision to make this more like the classic Godzilla movies of old. Right. Uh, I, I don't think that's too much of a spoiler. Where no. it's more about what is Godzilla doing, what is he fighting, and less about this insane threat has come to the city let's show panicked people trying to escape it yeah um and i think it fared worse for that even though maybe the homage is stronger for people who are diehard fans of the original um i I think my friend daniel before i went into this movie told me that it's the inverse pacific rim where it's 80 percent exposition and 20 percent monsters fighting Mm. (laughs) and and i think that that was definitely true and it was definitely a detriment to the movie because the exposition does not warrant any of that like they with the exception of brian cranston there are no compelling characters in this movie at least not that i felt at all yeah um except for ken watanabe he was hilarious well yeah and and i, and I think his character is interesting but yeah. he's sort of playing the um the guy who plays data from star trek in independence day like he's that right. character where he's sort of not concerned with the death and destruction that is following uh godzilla and more concerned with like learning more about this creature that is like yeah theoretically an advanced form of life uh yeah so. charlie day in pacific rim yeah 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 no exactly he's, he's like that too just yeah, less. although, I'll, although I'll not as funny yeah he was mildly compelling but certainly the relationship <laughs> between the olsen girl and the main character I, I don't know there was nothing there really between there olsen and, and kick-ass yeah there, there was certainly nothing to make me care about the characters and of course this is the kind of movie where as far as i can tell nothing anyone did matters at all <laughs> no right absolutely not <laughs> there's absolutely no reason for anyone to exist in this movie right that, that that is true, but I mean, if you think think about it in the reality standpoint, like, um, man has no idea the outcome of all this. Like, and yes. and while their activities seem to have no effect, that like that's not a reason to just go like, well, let's just sit around and wait to get eaten by Godzilla. You know what I mean? Like, oh sure, the pro- I guess the problem is not it isn't in what happened. It's just how the story built up felt like it's following a hero who is going to do something. Right. And, like, if you wanted it to be a movie of man is powerless against these creatures, you should have focused on the destruction and made them be more of these mystical things that you barely see and focus on, like, the panic and the terror. Right, yeah. Not... You wouldn't show me all of these valiant, like, the the score goes higher and he runs out to do something when none of it matters for any reason. Yeah. Um. Also, like... It being set in San Francisco was kind of funny because clearly people know San Francisco. Like, people who worked on this are aware of the geography. But they made some ridiculous decisions, which took me out. Like, for one thing, if if you have monsters coming, like, a giant monster, you know, is swimming towards 
I don't think it's a spoiler. I think it shows destruction of San Francisco in the uh, in the trailer. Yeah, you see the um, the the bridge. Yeah, you see yeah, the bridge you, falling down. And you have little children. And let's remember, you're on a peninsula, which means you can go around. <laughs> the bridge, you go 40 miles out of the way. <laughs> why would you send little kids on a bridge? Yeah, and why would you put why them on a bus? Why would anyone go on the bridge? That makes no sense. Like, no. bridge traffic is terrible. I wouldn't go on the bridge in rush hour anyway. <laughs> Especially let- in the rush hour of people trying to escape. An yes, impending let monster. Alone monsters underwater. Impending are monster attacks. Well, I, I, not to I, mention the more obvious fact that they were going to Oakland for some reason, but taking the Golden Gate Bridge, which does not go to Oakland. I don't know why they did that. <laughs> I, I can forgive that part. They wanted to have the Golden Gate Bridge in there. Right. Well, I, I <laughs> but, think I think in general that the the bridge traffic would have been okay if the uh, <laughs> tanks weren't driving against the flow of traffic. Yeah, I think that that hurt it. But yeah. that just made no. I was just thinking like. Why doesn't everyone just go down to Palo Alto or something? Like you're not, <laughs> you're not that far. You're connected to land. You're not an island right now. This isn't yeah. like Manhattan. They go, they go hide out with the uh, with the uh, Lyle Team Lyle at the Google yeah. Just Google go to the Googleplex. Yeah. <laughs> Send some of the self driving cars up to uh, right exactly. To fight off. <laughs> they could yeah. go out to the uh, self sustaining island. Yeah, that, that, that a was a minor shelter, right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It was a minor detail, but it's just an example of, like, they, they clearly weren't trying to go for realism. There was no justification of why are we sending right. everyone on a bridge right now. Which is... Yeah. It's just, like, well, we want a bridge scene. The other Godzilla had a bridge scene. <laughs> Pacific Rim had a bridge, bridge yeah, scene. Yeah, we but, better have a bridge scene. Uh, but, no, but that's funny because, like, they are taking the movie so seriously and trying to do what I feel is, like, almost like a Nolanized take on this property, and yet it's just so completely silly, and they don't really seem to care anything about, like, like you said, the geography of things, or the mm-hmm. fact that, like, it just all comes off as completely stupid. And honestly, like, for a movie about giant monsters, I didn't find it that really massive in scale. Like, I think that mm-hmm. was a major problem of the film, is that... I like that you could see all the monsters, uh, you know, in frame. I think that was a kind of a, a, a minor criticism I had with Pacific Rim, where they, del, you know, he, Del Toro deliberately shot it so the monsters like appeared to be coming out of frame, like the the, the frame could not contain the monsters because they were so large, and uh, that was cool. But sometimes it it kind of was a detriment, but. Uh, so I appreciated the fact that, you know, they got all the monsters in frame, and yeah, there are definitely some shots, like, the uh, the paratrooping scene when they're, like, coming down, and, like, they're coming down while Godzilla's fighting, like, that was, that got, uh, gave you a good sense of, like, oh, these are big-ass monsters. Yeah. But the movie itself didn't feel large, you know what I'm saying? No, like, you're right. They definitely didn't... Yeah. They didn't feel towering, and, yeah. I, and I think probably there would have been a way to show them fully and still get that sense of scale. Yeah. Though in general, the Cloverfield technique seems to be the easiest way to make you feel like these are huge Yeah, things. that definitely made you feel like you were like, whoa, I'm a puny human and this is a giant monster. And but I, yeah, and I, I mean, think it, by, by not showing it so much, that was a good choice, you know, in that so film. In, in, in the end, you just got something where it's, it's trying to be like a campy monster movie, I think. Right. But not, certainly not playing up the camp. 
I, there were a few laugh out loud moments in the theater, but I don't think it was intentionally camping. It, it wasn't up. campy enough. No, no, um, it definitely wasn't. And and then yeah. it was trying to be a disaster movie, but you have no empathetic core no. anywhere. I certainly didn't care. I mean, I don't even know what it cut. It cut to Elizabeth Olsen quite a few times, but I don't remember. Did she do anything? No, she just Did ran she away. Even, she she yeah, just, she just ran away a little bit. She ran she into the bar station. And looked pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's just fine. unfortunate because as you know, Elizabeth Olsen is a very good actress, and mm-hmm. she completely gets the most thankless role in the entire movie. I yeah. mean, a lot of the times, the wife role or the girlfriend role in these disaster monster movies are pretty much thankless but this was probably like one of the worst examples <laughs> well also of like what's, thankless wife roles what's funny about her too is uh the entire movie she's doing like she's doing nothing to besides like talk to her kid and be like why is your dad not calling me right and, like the one time he tries to call her she doesn't have her phone her phone on her <laughs> yeah. and then like you know once they finally do get a chance to call, she's like, I've been calling you nonstop. <laughs> it's like, no, you haven't. We've seen you not be calling him yeah. nonstop. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, uh, I was going to... Oh, uh, at the end, the whole third act of this movie is complete... Like, that's when it gets, like, the most flatlined. Because mm-hmm. the, like once they decide uh, how to, you know, their plan to defeat the monsters it's like so it's like so half-baked that you're like yeah i didn't i honestly didn't even follow that part very well no i couldn't even really tell what so the main character there's a point where he kind of goes rogue yeah and makes a decision to do his own thing yeah i if that had any meaning or consequence i completely didn't follow what was going on but it's all like executed again with those with the algorithms type of dialogue and I, I laughed out, out loud in the theater because there's a line where Aaron Taylor Johnson is like giving his expository dialogue like, I'm a, you know, I'm the best bomb diffuser in the burp, 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 burp. And like this other military dude like interrupts him with like another algorithm in the dialogue. And was just like, yeah, we know you're part of the EOD, bro. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, it was just like, it was just, it just was so ridiculous that it was like, I have to interrupt your expository dialogue with other expository dialogue. <laughs> it's like, ugh, I, yeah. And then like, it was during I, that I did, scene. I didn't take that as expository dialogue. I took that as pissing contest between branches of military. But it was during that scene where they were describing their plan to, uh, you know, execute the bomb. Well, the, the, I mean, spoilers for part of the plot of this film. The entire plan is just creatures like radiation. Let's take a device that both explodes and gives off a radioactive signature and try to bring it towards that. So, right, there wasn't. It wasn't like they're like, well, the creature which has this pheromone that is attracted to blah 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 blah, and like radioactive signature is pulled in through its nostrils into its brain cells, and like there there wasn't an explanation of how it works. It was just like, hey, we know that they keep going for power plants. Why don't we <laughs> take a bomb that you know gives off energy signatures sem- similar to what these nuclear pl- plants are doing, and yeah. hopefully the creatures will come after it. Like I didn't there to me, it wasn't a very deep plan and none of that felt like exposition. Well, like, I, I mean, but you agree though, it was super half baked. Like their, their I, whole I also plan, thought the, right? the conflict. So there's a conflict between uh, uh doctor. Uh, I forget. I forget what his actual character is here. Who? Ken Watanabe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Gajira. 
yeah, yeah, Dr. Gajira <laughs> and the military man, where they try to make it be a meaningful, like, they're about to make a huge mistake, blah, blah, blah. And it's unclear, right? Like, they, they build that up, but it's not clear that they were making a huge mistake or anything. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It It was this whole conflict that never... They needed to have a conflict, so they put it there, but it served no purpose to the film. Because in the end, again, things just happened. Yeah. It, it didn't really matter what people did. Yeah. And during that, during, like, kind of the final fight scenes... Uh, of the monster fight scenes uh, a lot like you could you know I was commending them for putting them all in frame but they were like really dark and it didn't help that the monsters were like dark gray so they were like blending in and it was just like I haven't seen this dark of a monster movie since the DVD transfer of the relic oh burned oh yeah sweet burn for someone (laughs) yeah Chris take that why, why why don't you follow up with that Carson, maybe if you weren't so obsessed with touting how awesome 35mm is and you didn't go to some jank old theater that's like the last running one working, you would have been able to see a frame that was bright enough. Hey, man, it was it was plenty bright, okay? <laughs> I, I'm just saying, my, I could totally make everything out and I had no problem seeing what was happening in my shitty digital theater that I went into. Well, I mean, um, you could make out what was happening. I just was commenting that it was very dark. I know, and I was just commenting on that maybe 35mm yeah, isn't that great. I, although it is pretty, kids, a thirty-five kids, millimeter kids. is a preferred format, in my opinion. It yeah, took it me, is. It but that's like back. saying LP sounds better than CD, which it doesn't. It just you choose to like that format sound better. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't I, make I, it I like it. a better image. Well, I not necessarily, but I mean, I, it, there's something about. The, the the graininess and richness of film it just takes you back and I, I saw this in seventy millimeter oh, oh good along with along with the master <laughs> I, I saw this in a hundred millimeter uh, I didn't know they were, I didn't know they were giving this a yeah, uh, I saw this in decimeter in the seventy millimeter releases I think that's where you get to see uh, Godzilla penis yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a special uh... but no I was gonna say it was funny because there were a couple moments where the print did like a where sometimes when they're when they're doing like the the telecine of the print like the the colors will get like all jank so like for a while it was going from like the regular color scheme to like really yellow and it was like it was like flashing in and out I was like oh man this is the most interesting thing that's happened so far in this movie uh, <laughs> all that, right it's a little uh, observation there but uh, anyway i like how you yeah. try to take your insults to like uh, the, the furthest possible extreme that you can i will i'm, I'm taking it it's gonna be like i'm putting everyone in the shoes of me when uh you guys talk about tech and you're like oh my munchkins and gooey interfaces and i'm just like <laughs> i am not smart enough I just sit here and be like, I wish I was this smart, and uh, I can tell you about uh, the DVD transfer of the relic, though it's pretty shitty. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, um, should I get to my comments about this film? Yes. yes. All right. I think the best analogy to give this film is that uh, this is the giant monster battle movie to the alien invasion movie of Battlefield L.A. Um, oh, yes. It's basically a film that has uh, uh, a a boner inducing trailer mm-hmm. that has a uh, deflating inducing film behind it. Um, that's a that's and, a good comparison. Yes, and I might even go as far as to say that Battle LA um, 
might be a step above this Godzilla simply for the fact that like there are at least some characters in Battle LA that I actually give a crap about and this film does a good job of like making me not give a shit about anybody. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Battle think, LA had more unintentional humor for sure. Yeah, but, like I I think I think Battle LA is just a poorly executed film. I think this is th- like this film has some stuff that's interesting and but on the whole it like you know the 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 belief in a giant uh, radiation eating creature is the least um, suspension of disbelief I have to do to be able to follow this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the, okay, so, like, I mean, some of this is spoilery, but basically they have a few action set. Like, like the comment that Steven made about the bridge, right? It's clear that they just wanted a bridge scene because to them, giant creature wreaking havoc across a bridge is impressive looking and, and you know to some to their credit it somewhat is um but it's clear that like there was no reason for san francisco to be attacked they just wanted to attack some place that had a big ass bridge uh, mm-hmm. there's other things in the story where like let's just say that you know we've already talked about this bomb plot like okay the bo- bomb gives off a radioactive signature so let's try to use the bomb to lure the creatures there well they pick a really poorly conceived of transport method for moving this bomb they go hey let's take a a a a, a really important piece of equipment which is you know our primary means for trying to destroy one of the 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 creatures um and let's put it on a device that can only follow a single path cannot deviate from that path at all and is is capped at how fast it can move um and the terrain (laughs) causes it to have to weave around different places um and and not basically follow a straight path to where the target is supposed to be going oh and also it'll go over a bridge and into a zone into like a, a zone where the monsters already were yeah so so let's just you know for for the the uh the the sake of um you know well, it, whatever i mean <laughs> let's just let's just say that 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 plan may not work out um but right. it's okay because they can pick another device to transport um, what may or may not survive <laughs> that attack. And what do you know? That freaking thing has the ability to just fly over <laughs> shit. Like, like, I'm sorry. Like, you put your bomb on a train. The train gets attacked, so you pick it up with a helicopter. Why the hell didn't you put it on a helicopter in the first place? I mean, they wouldn't have that cool bridge scene that also was in the dark, the relic DVD transfer quality. Hmm. But so, yeah. I just, I don't, like... Yeah, we needed that moment. Yeah, that, we, we like, totally needed it. That is the stupidest I just want to know, why do, why do monsters all gravitate towards the most major recognizable cities they, they managed to knock out four of them in this movie for well, okay. no reason that i could tell so so here here's the thing with uh here's the thing with we'll go back to battlefield la um uh in that film or in any alien invasion film it makes sense that major cities are destroyed destroyed first because an invading fleet would look at the highest population centers what what places look like they have the biggest technology and you know possibly even which areas have military bases so it totally makes sense in an alien invasion film why major cities are the target of the invasion totally fine with that but a creature from a time where humans weren't around being released and coming out there's no it doesn't make sense why they would attack and it's not trying to fight humans. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. really just trying to fight the other monsters, yeah. technically. And, and do, do, do you guys have a nuclear power plant up there, Stephen? Not that I know of, no. Okay. I mean, so, I, the only justifiable reason that the one monster went to Vegas is because that uh, 
the the one storage center was like near Vegas. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but that's the only thing. But that's like, the only the reason. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying is like that was the only valid reason for it to go to Vegas. Yeah, we have a nuclear waste disposal facility in yeah. in Nevada, and it makes sense why creatures that are you know concerned with consuming nuclear waste or possibly might be being stored in a place that has nuclear waste, um, why why they would go there. That totally makes sense. But yeah, it seems like. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a nuclear physicist. I don't know how much radiation a nuclear warhead gives off. But I'm going to assume that if you take the largest nuclear, you know, however many megatons, billitons, whatever you want to say that we have, nuclear warhead, and you set it right next to the reactor of any major nuclear power facility anywhere, I, I don't, in my head... I would assume the thing continually producing nuclear energy probably gives off a higher signature than a device that is built to only put off a lot of nuclear energy in one small moment and then have none left. Yeah. I, I think I can verify that. Yeah. Okay. Also not being a nuclear scientist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could be wrong. And it doesn't make much that, sense. Like the amount of matter used during nuclear energy production is so much smaller than the amount that is given off by the explosion of a nuclear bomb. But it seems like the thing that would make more sense is to set off a nuke in the middle of the ocean, say on an island that we're just going to pretend like we don't care about anymore, that Mm -hmm. the release of that energy might be large enough to draw. So like you set off one nuke on the island that starts to draw the monsters and then you fly in another nuke and set it on the island and right. put a timer on that one you, you know, know in, I mean? a, like, in an in an uninhabited location not a giant city yeah yeah but also ken watanabe knows that in you know the 1950s or whatever we already tried to take out a creature with a nuke and right it didn't work it doesn't work but nobody believes him so so rather Granted, than trying to appeal that was with Go. That was with kilotons, and this is with oh, megatons. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the, gotcha. our, our nukes now make the old nukes look like firecrackers, like that one dude said. <laughs> no, exactly. He was just like, that, no, that was, shit's no, weak, you misunderstood. Bro. No, there was a comma in there. He said it makes the old one look like firecrackers. <laughs> <laughs> Swish. Uh, oh, so I those, also... Those, uh, those lim- old nukes are totally Enola gay. <laughs> totally, bro. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it. A, yeah. You know what? You know what doesn't even make any sense either as to why they're in San Francisco. Like Vegas isn't even near San Francisco, so why would the Muto or whatever like just why would he go to San Francisco? No, it's why like would Benjamin he go Button. to like fucking Bakersfield well, no, or something? Like Benjamin Button. Button. They're meeting in the middle. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It, they were they were taking the two positions that the other creatures were. Plus, you had uh, you know you had what's his face swimming over from Japan. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. you had to. That that's just a point in the middle of, you know, a bay where they could have them converge and then have them chase each other out to sea. Where where they snap to No, but I basically the the nearest major city in that general vicinity, which of course, if you drew a line would be nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but no, also, but I'm just saying cuz like the one Muto goes to Nevada to get the the to the waste plant, but then he goes back to San Francisco obviously. So why wouldn't he just go to like Bakersfield or something? Because, I mean, like, it, does, it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Why didn't he go to Burbank? <laughs> yeah, there's, Burbank. there's no reason. Why didn't he go I to Wichita in Burbank? <laughs> I'm going to here, Wichita. Here, here's the other thing, too. Like, like 
uh, Hollywood loves the idea of an EMP. I mean, it's the greatest thing in the world. I mean, we're oh, so totally. technologically advanced, but an EMP can just wipe us out and we'll have nothing. Yeah. So they try to do this, this like, uh, this freaking battleship thing where they can't make visual, they can't visually track the creature that can fly, right? So it's like, well, what are we going to do? We can't visually track this thing. So the, the idea is that, you know, they can see it right here, but then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it can just take off and fly away. And what the hell? They, they won't know where it is until it attacks something because their sonar and radar and all that kind of, like all their DARS don't work anymore because the EMP <laughs> took them out. The problem is we still have freaking satellites in the sky that are mm-hmm. further away than the actual uh, EMP can reach. Oh, well, the Mecha Godzilla took out the satellites. I mean, that was implied, well, right? That, that's mm-hmm. in the next yeah. one, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, in the next one, it's going to be a a satellite chain reaction type of thing, like in gravity, except yeah. for one of the satellites was actually a transformer. So as it's colliding with the other satellites, <laughs> it combines itself to be the T-Rex um, it was that sound we wave. see in, in uh, the Transformers 4 yeah. or 5 or whatever one we're on now. And then that one will kill all the other Decepticons and compile to itself to become Mechagodzilla. But mm-hmm. then the problem is that with all those Decepticon parts in them, it'll turn evil and then it'll be the new threat in. And they're basically trying to do a Sinister Six type of thing with all the totally, robot Totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. Um, but I think uh, the other reason why we don't have the satellite technology is because, you know, Sandra Bullock was the reluctant astronaut and she screwed everything up. <laughs> the, that asteroid field just took everything out. Really, it was Ed Harris who, who Ed said, Harris, didn't, didn't tell them to get the hell out early Misguided them all. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, even if, you know, yeah, you think they would have, like, some satellite technology tracking these monsters or something. I mean, hey, we all saw Under Siege 2. Or whatever the or whatever the one is, where like they're like, oh my god, they're sending like they're gonna send some stealth bombers after us. What are we gonna do? And he's like, oh well, I can use satellites to track like the air compression signatures, <laughs> and blah 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 blah. Like he tracked invisible freaking stealth jets. Yeah, dude. Well, he's Steven Seagal. He can do anything. Steven Seagal can do anything, dude. He probably tracked it with his. He has a satellite in his ponytail. Yeah, he does. He he doesn't exist in this universe, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, they should have called in Steven Seagal. I could have tracked him. I wish he didn't exist in this universe. Am I right? Oh, <laughs> up top. Oh snap. Uh, anyways, um, uh, I don't remember what I was saying, but basic. Okay, yeah, here's the one thing. This is like the most. This is the. They didn't saddest. use satellite technology. That's what you were going for. Yeah, yeah but the, the, so the, this is the saddest and the most key thing in this film uh, my problem with the film i i have just jacked the sentence up so bad but basically the, fo- the, fo- the following statement will be very sad um towards my thoughts about this film um steve both steven and carson have complained about like the needless exposition of this film that doesn't matter at all to the film as a whole <laughs> the first moment in this film where I was actually, all right, now we're getting somewhere, is when Ken Watanabe sits down kick-ass and goes, oh, let me show you these. these <laughs> oh, no. no, I actually agree with Chris. I thought that was, like, the best scene of this movie, Like is when he does as, the Godzilla reveal. I'm not uh, yeah. kidding. No, as, as soon as that scene started, I leaned forward in my chair, put my hands on my knees, I was like, yeah, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm too messing again. Just flickered out after that. And, like, seriously, from then on, it was like, Damn, this is an unfortunate movie. <laughs> Damn, blue ball in it. But no, I'm seriously, I thought that was a great scene because he was just like, in 1954, we tr- we awoken something. <laughs> we were trying to kill it. And the dude, when he does like the awesome like turn and he takes his glasses off and he's just like, it's Godzilla. 
was like, oh, dude, I almost, I almost stood up and applauded it right there. Like, okay, this is like as good as this movie's gonna get <laughs> right now, right here. I, I thought it could salvage itself from that point on. I thought like, yeah, all right, it, like this it is had a turn chance. Into something cool. Like after <laughs> after that turn, it had a chance. I was like, oh yes, Ken Watanabe is gonna be our savior. And then, <laughs> dude, I, it didn't I just happen. Thought- if the South Park guys would have made this movie, there would have been a scene where, like, Godzilla <laughs> saves the day, and some guy's like, thank God, Zilla. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Good times. I can't wait for the South Park episode that just ruins this movie. Here's another thing I want to say, too, about uh, his name's Aaron Taylor Johnson, right? Yeah. Kick-ass? Yeah. Kick-ass, yeah. Um, so in, like, I thought he was great in the original kick-ass i didn't see kick-ass 2 but i thought he was a great character he's playing just this like uh, I don't he's, know. Play, he's like a totally wooden character in this movie well, yeah yeah, but but in in kick-ass he is playing this whiny little kid who has no right being in combat and that's the whole like conceit of that film is like yeah mm-hmm. he's supposed to get his ass kicked but he's being kick-ass but he's not qualified to do that um and in that film just his his whiny voice his mannerisms like he he's just like this geeky guy who shouldn't be fighting and from the moment he comes on screen like i didn't didn't recognize him at first um and i was like why did they pick this whiny ass dude like it because his first conversations are basically him talking to his son so i was like oh he's doing like a kid voice like the way a dad would do to his like baby child even though his 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 kid is a little bit older than needing to do like the like oh yeah. how's it going little kid oh yeah how's my son like he's doing this voice and then he starts talking to his vo- his wife and it's the same voice and I'm like wait a second like he just sounds like that normally I mean it was definitely a uh, in time type of scenario where Justin Timberlake is a you know he he's a good actor but it would have that movie would have benefited from someone with a little more weight. Like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt or something, but no, I, I was to- but I was fine with with Timberlake in that film. Yeah, um, no, like I was fine with him too, but I, I thought like it could have had a, like a little more of a, I don't know, like it. But when you have when you have Aaron Taylor Johnson as the lead in your movie, uh, like they really needed like a Miles Teller or someone with a little more uh, <laughs> charisma or weight, Miles Teller. something like. Yeah, he would have been great in this, <laughs> definitely. I mean, uh, or or at least have like. Ma- it's like, you know, F it, dude. Have Elizabeth Olsen be the lead role in this and have Aaron Taylor Johnson play the male nurse. Like, I mean, that would have been inherently more interesting. <laughs> what, what I think they would have, they should have done is since our main guy was a bomb disposal guy anyway, just get Jeremy Renner in there. Yeah, oh, exactly. Hell yeah, dude. It would have been, been funny if he was like trying to disarm the bomb and he couldn't, he couldn't break open that panel. And then just Jeremy Renner comes and he's like, I got this, yo. And he's like yanks it open <laughs> in one pull. And he's like, tick, 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 tick. Bam, and then rock music starts playing. And he slow motion walks away from it. Ah, oh, that would have been that would have been great. Anthony Mackie was there to help him too. <laughs> He's like, "Yo, I'm the Falcon. I'm gonna fly in. Just dis- <laughs> decide dismantle it in the air." Ugh. That's the worst <laughs> impression of him ever. <laughs> yeah, oh, there worse you go. than the Ken Watanabe one. <laughs> <laughs> but at least that's in the right like ballpark of trying to do an impression. But. Uh, I, I think we need to have a spoiler section so we could talk about the turn in this movie because I there's some things I want to comment about that. Are you talking about the first turn 20 minutes in? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'm down for that. All right, I guess we can do that. Uh, so should we just get to our verdicts then for this film? All right. Yeah, we probably should. 
All right, so Carson, if you're going to give this a must-see, a reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Um, Like Steven said, I was not completely bored. I was just mostly uh, stupefied by its mediocrity and the fact that it was like a Terminator salvation, where I was like, oh, that, bad, that badass trailer, and then the movie was like, Pfft. So um, uh, I'm going to give it a pass with a caveat, caveat being Cranston rules, uh, Godzilla drools. <laughs> so actually, the, the, the mutos or the mutos drool a lot in this movie. Yeah, too. they drool. Yeah. They drool pretty hard. Yeah, they get that <laughs> slimy uh, cake frosting on the uh, <laughs> on no, the Enola I, I, was, I was listening to the Fighting in the War Room podcast, and they say that's not drool. Just it gonna does, put that out there. It, it does look pretty jizzy. I, I will. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely got that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Stephen. Uh, I'm gonna echo Carson. I think for for all the like crapping on it we're doing, I don't think it was entirely terrible. I like I think it was a big, somewhat epic movie that occasionally rose to the challenge of having some good imagery. I thought the first like fifteen or twenty minutes were pretty good, and definitely. I mean, I don't know about you. The theater I went in was packed. Like I yeah. Oh, it made I like actually, almost hundred million. I got tickets to a three D one. And I walked in, and it was completely sold out. Like, I guess theater people are terrible, and they don't actually stop selling you tickets when they should. <laughs> um, and so I had to wait an extra 45 minutes. I got it for free, at least, but to go see a 2D version. And that was also packed. Like, I was a half hour early, and I still had to, like, struggle to find a good seat. Yeah. Um, a lot of people definitely went out to see this movie. And at least in my audience, a lot seemed not unsatisfied when they mm. walked out. Uh, so somebody had a good time with this. <laughs> with that said, it definitely did not rise to the challenge. So I've got to give it a pass with a caveat. Caveat being, maybe if you're stupid. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <dude. laughs> Whoa! I'm, I'm just kidding. But that's cl- clearly it was it was fun for somebody. The caveat <laughs> is that oh, if you want to have a brainless good time, this might be a good time. I, it required too much suspension of disbelief for me to get on board. Yeah, and like I said, that suspension of disbelief had nothing to do with giant monsters. No, I'm right, fine yeah. with giant monsters. I'm going to give it a pass to the caveat also, um, basically for the same reason, because I seem to see a lot of people really enjoying it. Um, and like the rest of us on this podcast, not really sure why. Um, I yeah, It has one great moment for me. And that's a scene of exposition, which I want to not be explaining. <laughs> I will, I will also agree that that is the film's greatest moment. <laughs> and, like, for me, honestly, uh, I, I should have been saying this. Well, actually, I'm going to save for spoilers. Um, but oh, all right. let's just say that Cranston's character, um, regardless of the uh, the total arc his character goes through in general, just the, the premise of him being this guy who went through something when he was younger and has been like sort of like devoting himself to this cause like basically playing the loony guy um it didn't work for me in the way i thought it might from the trailer and that's mostly because of the way the art goes and like i said when we could talk about spoilers i'll get to it then um but just in general i found this film very not satisfying so it gets a very not satisfying review mark uh rating for me <laughs> anyways right, so i think we can all agree though that when it comes to giant uh monsters at least recently the best recent example would be pacific rim i, I yeah. mean i enjoyed that movie C- compared to this ab- absolutely yeah i mean yeah, if you, I mean, you want to go in for like a giant monster movie 
I mean, I'm going Pacific Rim because we got yeah, we got Charlie Pacific Day, Rim. we got big robots, we got Idris Elba being a definitely badass. blew this one out of the water. Oh yeah, yeah, or yeah. sunk it into a trench. Either, either way though, yeah. exactly. Either yeah. way, either way, it punched it with its giant robot arm. All right, so uh, that is the main main review. So uh, Carson, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? Twitter.com slash sdavidmiller, Facebook.com slash sdavidmiller, or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can go to new.thespoilerwarning.com to check out the new site, which we we're going to save it to the beginning of next month to flip that switch, but I think this will probably be the last episode that the site remains the old one and that when the next episode goes live i think i'm just going to flip the switch because i've you know put in code to switch people over to the feeds and all the new feed locations seem to be working as best i can tell so um if you get this episode and then you don't get another one go to the spoilerwarning.com and click the new feed area and uh resubscribe basically um because we're moving everything and uh the new site is live like i said new.thespoilerwarning.com and next week thespoilerwarning.com will just take you to that new site so there's that um you can follow us on twitter.com slash spoilerwarning to figure out when these episodes go live or like us on facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning if you want to get hold of us directly you can contact us by sending an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Uh, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Godzilla. So hopefully that's roaring in your ears right now. And it's going to continue to roar in your ears for a few more seconds. And then it's going to fade out and we're going to start spoiler territory. So so if you don't want any spoilers, then hit Muto. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, thank you guys for joining me in case people aren't saying for spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for having us. And everybody else, uh, we'll catch you with our X-Men Days of Future Past review next week or in spoilers if you're going to join us. So talk to you then. Bye. everybody if you're listening still we are now officially in spoiler territory this is our little after show we're a little little conversation completely blowing uh godzilla out of the water as far as spoilers go um (laughs) so yeah we know that we can't blow him out of the water because he'll still persist once all the bombs are dropped and the movie didn't have a yeah exactly we don't know if If it's it's possible possible. for him to get blown (laughs) yeah i think it was like 70 megatons right is that what something like that yeah something like that yeah Anyways, uh, we, we are going to be talking not about Godzilla penises, but about some of the plot points in this film, which, you know, in- intellectually might have felt like a Godzilla penis. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was big a big flop. flop. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I know Carson is very excited to uh, talk about a prominent oh, yes. death in this film. Um, and that will relate to something I talked about uh, in my closing statement. Um, so I'll let you... Take well, it away, Carson. in case anyone, I mean, well, if you're listening, Stephen called you stupid, but uh, in case you didn't pick up on it, <laughs> Brian Cranston dies pretty early on in this movie, and um, it's unfortunate because he is the best character in the film, and um, 
like I said, you know, I was I was very on board with that opening scene, and uh, I, I thought it was I, I thought it was great that like they cast someone like Juliette Binoche as his wife, and then she died very early too, which I was surprised. Basically. Well, I mean, I, I think that one, well, first of all, if you've seen the trailer, you see him yeah, but crying, I, holding his mouth, looking through a porthole at her in a gas field. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with her dying. Yeah, but I, I figured that would happen maybe like midway or something. I didn't think it would happen like in the first 10 minutes or whatever. Dude, what, what, what did you think was going to make him but, go but crazy? Did, okay, regardless, I, I still think that Cranston <laughs> and her and Benoit should have been the two leads instead of Kick-Ass and uh, Olsen. Because I, I... Yeah. Mm. I definitely would have been right. happier with a Cranston lead. He, he so clearly you, has so much you, more intensity. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> and just in those scenes of Cranston, like he clearly has giving the material, which is pretty much nil. He's giving it way more gravitas than like anyone else in the cast, and he's giving it a lot, like you said, a lot more intensity to it. And like I, I don't know, like and I always like the characters who are you know trying to prove other people. Like he knows he's right, but everyone thinks he's wrong and. I mean, I think that would have been cool, like, if he was still around and, and it wasn't just, like, his lame kid and his wife who does nothing in the film, so. I, yeah. Hey, she did something. She looked very right, pretty. Right, and she was crying. That, that, it really <laughs> is, though, like, the, the son is just so much he's, less, per, not personable, right, just he's, less yeah. interesting to watch. Like, he's exactly, just a wooden yeah. character, right? It, and I don't want to say this is the stereotype of military people in the movies, but it really kind of is, right? He just has to be like... Yeah, he's just yeah, like, let's do to this. the point. All right. The end. Like, there's no <laughs> emotion. There's no anything. Yeah, hoorah. Oh, right. yeah, I'm the best, of course. And that's like an unfortunate <laughs> stereotype because, you know, that character yeah. could have been someone who was very charismatic. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, they got like Miles Teller. Somebody to give it a little... Somebody to give it a spin. <laughs> I mean, anything... <laughs> I still can't imagine a Miles Teller. That would be I, very I think strange. Miles Teller as the lead, and then Shane Black as the director. Hell yeah, that would that would be pretty good. Uh, Carson would have been singing Duke, the phrases uh, of this movie. Uh, okay, let's go a little older. What if Gosling was the lead? I mean, come on, you, you'd be down with some Gosling uh, action. I, at least I well, would. There'd be no dialogue in the film <laughs> if he was the lead. Though. Hey, I mean, yeah, that yeah. would be good too. He just stares Godzilla. Yeah, he, he, he just stares just Godzilla down. Stomps Godzilla yeah. in the face. Yeah, Gosling slowly walks in slow motion, walks sideways into the center of the street. Puts up his fist and says, "Want to fight?" Oh, and then Godzilla just steps on him. How awesome would that be? And then he just he just kills him with his lovely, big baby blue eyes, and then and dead. then Carrie Mulligan could also stand and look pretty. Yeah, <laughs> like dude, that'd be a good movie. <laughs> Cranston's ghost comes back and yells at people. <laughs> Obi Wan style, he just appears <laughs> to him, like waving from the sideline after the aftermath. Yeah. But but uh, that that was my main point was that uh, the, Cranston and Benoit should have been the leads and uh, they're hmm. much much more interesting actors and here's here's the thing that I was gonna say about that whole scene because I mean his death to me was also very surprising and not in the surprising way that a recent film we reviewed had a death that I was like the only one in the world that didn't see coming <laughs> um, but uh, when it happened it it was sort of one of those things where it's like no he's not dead his son's gonna run over there and be like dad and they're gonna make up and then the rest of the film will be this like father-son movie right um and then it like it, you know they're riding in the hospital and he's like ah, son save your family and then it cuts <laughs> to him being zipped up in a body bag and like even at that point 
I was like, is there going to be like some Godzilla radioactive thing that's going to br- like? I was still, at the, I was, <laughs> yeah, he has to come back. I was like, how are they going to bring him back to life? This is not going to make sense. Like, I, I was mad at the film because I assumed he was still going to be alive later. Yeah. Um, and then when I realized he wasn't, I was like, why? Why did they do that? Like, and, and here, here's my stupid real movie. Well, no, like, if if he was more of a straight man at the beginning of the film, and then he gets killed off, and like, like basically, this film does the same thing twice. His, you know, Brian Cranston loses his wife and then takes it upon himself to try to prevent this from happening to anybody else. Then his son loses his dad and takes it upon himself to, to you know, try to stop to make sure nobody else has to go through this too. Um, that, that double take doesn't make sense. The way it would mm-hmm. have possibly worked. And like, you know, in, in this, you know, on the podcast, we will often talk about like these tropes that are in our, every movie and, and why, you know, it's bad to like just copy the same thing and not do anything original. But there are some times when... You can copy the idea of a character because the reason it worked in the first place is because it's, it's a trope that works well and it, and it means something. So go back to Independence Day, right? So you have the, the crop duster guy, um, you know, the father of, of one of our characters that we're following. Um, he's a crazy guy. He thinks he's been abducted by aliens. Nobody believes him. Everybody thinks he's just this crazy nut job who flies a crop dusting uh, plane. And, you know, spoilers for Independence Day, aliens are real. Uh, so he gets this whole film he's made fun of and treated like crap and treated like he's crazy. And in the end, not only was he right, but he gets a moment to shine to show that, like, what he... Like, he gets to... Spoilers for Independence Day, once again. He gets to sacrifice himself to theoretically protect... Um, the lives of other people. Um, maybe that same eventuality could have been accomplished without him making that sacrifice. But at the same time, he gets to do something that means something that makes his death meaningful, at the very least to himself. As he's dying, he knows that it was all worth it because he was able to do something. In this film, like, Cranston is, like, basically out of the picture before his knowledge, like, basically... They all do the investigating on their own once he's, like, detained to figure out that the work that he did, you know, 50 years ago or whatever it is, uh, is the similar to the reactions that they're seeing. Ken Watanabe mm-hmm. and, and his wife or partner, whoever she's supposed to be, are off in the lab looking at discs from the original disaster and kind of discover on their own what Brian Cranston knows. There's not really a scene where he gets to explicitly, like, there's no... Like, once no, again, he going back help. to Independence Day. He doesn't matter. Yeah, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't help at all. Just like anything else. And, like, going back to Independence Day, it would be like if Jeff Goldblum gets on the Air Force One, and when they're flying away, before he gets a chance to um, explain what's happening, they confiscate his laptop, take it down to the lab in Area 51, and then, you know, Data goes through it and figures out the problem on his own without Jeff Goldblum's help. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, um, like why 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 does this character have to have this arc he he doesn't get to um he doesn't get to 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 do anything of of merit he just like stands on a scaffolding and then falls and then is dead and even like there's not even enough time for him and kickass to rebond and and become like at, at basically at the beginning of this film I'm, I'm just going to relate it to like everything that every other movie but even going back to a movie that's not good like the new um the new Die Hard movie, like, at the beginning of that film, the father and the son are estranged from each other. Like, they're not super happy with each other. Um, they get in the shit, and they have to team up, and that's the whole thing, is, like, they get to uh, come back together over the course of the events that are taking place. And this, like, he doesn't get that. So nothing in, the, like, there's no reason Brian Cranston should be in this film at all. Right. 
No, you should have pulled a can and said, I want to not be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Very nice. Were you, like, were you working on that on paper? Yeah, like, no, I was working on that. Damn, for that, was, uh, that was gold right there. Yeah, yeah I'm surprised you know. No, but I, I do feel like the, the movie had like like five arcs that it was trying to shove into one. Like there was the father-son arc. I thought that was going to happen. And that's restricted to Tokyo, and then it ends right away. Yeah. Then there's the Hawaii arc where there's the guy and the kid. And you think something, I thought anyway, something's going to happen where the kid is going to be around. And like by the end of the movie, when it's all over, he returns the kid to his parents. Well, you know what's funny about that that scene is that kid would not have uh, been separated from his parents if he had just, uh, you know, abided by subway rules. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The sandwich shop? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just his dream, though. He dreamed all yes, of this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and also, Pacific Rim had a much better little Asian child that was running from a disaster. Just going to say that. True. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. So any, anyway, I thought that could have been an arc, but then, then again, the Hawaii part only takes place for a little right. bit, and then it's over. And then the train part, you have him set up with this kind of douchey army guy who's clearly like not too good. He fumbles. He, like... And you, you think maybe something's going to happen with this guy. And no, oh, no, that's over in like five minutes. And I don't know, there was just too many. And they all died, too. Yeah, they all died. It, it just tried to be, it tried to have so many moments in it with mini arcs that just did nothing. Because you don't care at all about this wooden character. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it, it was very odd the way they framed this what's, movie. Here, here's the other thing, too, about like their stupid plan with Ark of the whole bomb and stuff. I already complained about how, like, why why in freaking God's name would you put the bomb on a train when you're just going to take it from the train to a helicopter? You should have used a helicopter in the first place. Here's the other problem. They had two or three bombs, I don't remember, on that train originally. And the creatures attack and eat or take all but one for some reason, but then that same one they didn't take is the one they chase later in the film. Like, why, if, if the creature really had to go all the way to the boat to get that one bomb, why would it have not taken that one bomb back when it had that bomb after it killed all the soldiers except for Aaron Johnson? I don't know. I think you're putting no more idea. thought into this than the actual screenwriters did. I know, and what's the problem is I'm putting that thought into it while their action scenes are happening. Like... You can make a dumb movie <laughs> yeah. where the action makes me only process the action, like, you know, Need for Speed. <laughs> like, Yeah, but that's there's... that's the thing is that, like, in order to make a good dumb movie, you have to be dumb. And this movie isn't. This movie is dumb while trying to be serious, and that's not yeah. the right formula. No, that's true. It definitely was trying. It wanted to be taken seriously, and the fact that it is 80% exposition kind of shows that. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, it... But, it really wanted you to be thinking through this, and it clearly couldn't withstand that level of scrutiny. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about Randy Quaid and Independence Day, and I think that's a good example of you know, someone who's, who knows he's right and everyone thinks he's wrong. And I think you know, the scene where he flies up into the, the mothership, I think you know, that's not only a satisfying conclusion for him as the character, but it's a satisfying conclusion for you know from an audience perspective and i think if cranston's character in this movie had an arc that was similar to that it might have been a it might have been a better uh, send-off for him than just oh i fell off a you know a construction rigging or whatever the hell that was yeah um yeah like maybe if like at the end 
Crancy was just like, I'm staying behind to detonate the bomb or whatever. I, you know, it's something like that instead of uh, just him going out like a like a like a wimp. Yeah, uh, he went out so lamely. Um, but yeah, like I think that there's, and also, Cranston is in the beginning. He's the you know everyone's doubting him, and then he dies, and then the person who everyone doubts that that character gets transferred to Ken Watanabe. It's like, well, why couldn't Cranston just stay around and just be that character still? Like it didn't make any sense. It's exactly how you know, like you said, where they they do the double. Uh, character mover you know his dad dies and then kick-ass takes it upon him to to do it you know you know what i'm saying like they they yeah there's no there's no reason for it there's no right. un- unless brian cranston just didn't want to be in more of the movie <laughs> he had like, a, he had his uh, escape clause option y- yeah then then i just can't think of a plot reason to get rid of him he was clearly a big draw for the film right like, yeah there's a reason he's in 50% of the trailer. No, I know, like, <laughs> if he wasn't in the trailer, I probably would not have been as excited. Like, Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's what's funny is that all of the marketing in the trailer is Brian Cranston because he is the best actor in the film. Well, you it, see it, no it, other it, human people or p- people talking in the trailer because it's all just annoying exposition. It, it, it is funny too. Like you know, I, I, I keep making the joke that Elizabeth Olsen is attractive, but that's all she does in this film. And like every time they show a teaser, there's a single shot of her in the in the movie, and it's her like holding her son's head and looking out. And they edit it to make it look like she's looking up at Godzilla in the city, but it's a, two separate shots. But that's the only mm-hmm. time she's in the trailer at all. Yeah. And like now that I've seen the movie, it makes a hundred percent sense. Because <laughs> those are <laughs> pretty much the most she does. That's pretty much her that's only scenes. Yeah. 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 That's all she does so, in this movie. Know. But you know, I, I'm gonna say one more thing about Ken Watanabe's character and that arc too. Um, I think like, though I love him giving exposition, like in the scene earlier, I, I really hate how they handled his, his, uh, aspect of everything. Like just the idea that like, he's the one person in the entire film that thinks that Godzilla is actually a positive that like the whole idea of like there, there's this pecking order in nature and Godzilla is at the top of it and he's laid dormant on his own. But when these other powers were released, that were from his time that he went from being a dormant deep under the oceans creature who has just been surviving at the top of the pecking order to coming back out to defeat these things for not not for mankind but for the role of nature as a whole like while that in and of itself is interesting that like he doesn't have a chance to like he sounds almost like equally crazy like brian cranston but on the other side of of the spectrum where he doesn't seem like he's not like guys look we can use Godzilla, like, he's not here to hurt us. He may accidentally hurt us while he's trying to defeat these other creatures, but his real intent is to rise up against these other powers that are that are coming about, defeat them, and then go back to being hidden and being himself. And like, He's basically that- just Russell Crowe in Noah, like, <laughs> like it, it is inevitable. Yes, no, like, like I'm, to- like, that was actually interesting. Um, I was totally fine with that, that idea that, like, like, Normally, if I would have seen in, if, if I would have seen in the trailer the the shot of of Godzilla swimming underwater with his like fins sticking out of the water and like all the military ships surrounding him, just with no context of the film, watching that trailer, I've been like, why on earth would a they get the ships that close to Godzilla and b would Godzilla be okay with those ships being there? That doesn't make any sense. But in the context of the film, I'm like, oh, because he doesn't give a shit about those ships because the ships don't. Even though I'm pretty sure that carrier was a nuclear carrier, um, mm-hmm. but so. 
it's beyond the point. But uh, just completely putting that aside because I just sidetracked myself. Um, like it, it, I'm totally fine with that aspect of the story. But the problem is they try to shoehorn in this like Hiroshima like callback stuff, and like it, it goes from being like, look, this is the point. It goes from being like, look, Godzilla isn't here to hurt us, to be look. I'm fine with you killing Godzilla. However, you shouldn't use nuclear weapons because nuclear weapons are this horrible thing that obliterated my people long ago. And <laughs> yeah. like the world still feels the ramifications of, of this attack. And it's one of the most horrific things we've ever done. Blah blah. And like it, he tries to shoehorn in this message. And I say he, the character, but I don't mean like he's the one that tried to get that into the script or anything. It's just that that downplays the the whole idea of is Godzilla good or bad with the idea of are nuclear weapons good or bad and I, I think that was so stupid to do and especially when you have to have like the, oh look at my pocket watch that stopped and why did it stop well it stopped when the bomb dropped the, and then like this knowing glance from the military guy who truly doesn't give a shit but he's like ah yeah makes sense <laughs> yeah. and then just like yeah, walks right. away yeah like, it, so in to the movie's potential defense. Uh, you could take that not as a nuclear weapon thing, but a mankind trying to be in control thing. Of Hiro- Hiroshima was another example of man deciding, like, we need to stop fighting. This is the executive decision of how we can end it. But, uh, but still, it's shoehorned in. Like, it doesn't fit with the idea. But the, but the reason why I would, I would argue that's not even close to what, what the intention of the film was is, so, you know, Ken Watanabe has that line, um, and I'll try to do it in, in just a normal American accent because I can't remember the line anyways. But he says something like, like, man's greatest folly is thinking that he is uh, in charge of nature when in actuality uh-huh. it's the other way around or whatever. Like, that's paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, but he has that line from the trailer. Um, in the context of the trailer, like, it's like, oh, cool, that's a like, sweet line. Like, I get it. I get that point. When he says that in the film, there's about as much context for him saying that line in that scene as there is for him showing the pocket watch off in the scene previous to that. Like yeah. there there's there is no like like oh my like we told like if somebody was like we need to build a Jaeger robot to go fight this giant <laughs> kaiju and he's like hey look like nature will balance itself out if we try to do like there's no like if he was comparing the events are of of you know Hiroshima Hiroshima however you want to pronounce it um mm-hmm. to them using a nuke here what was the nature overruling that destruction back then? No, you're right. There's there's nothing. Yeah. It, it's just a. <laughs> it, it's just him trying to have sage wisdom. Yeah. It it doesn't mean yeah. anything. And, and here, here's here's the thing too. I'm like getting into like super ranty territory, so you guys can tell me to shut up anytime you want. Um, but the last comment I'll try to make is, you know, like, so in some remake, like all remakes attempt to remake a film for their time and they change the plot a little bit to um to to keep the theme the same but kind of update that theme a little bit so what what the the best example i can think of is um for the day the earth stood still in the original the idea was the 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 arsenal the destructiveness that man has on earth is a potential threat to the universe as a whole and these alien uh, spoilers for the day the earth stood still sorry i probably should have said that um <laughs> for both films um but the, the the kind of point is that a force needs to intervene because the earth is getting too strong as a military uh being in the universe and if they're not stopped then 
you know, bad stuff could happen. There, there could be consequences for the rest of the universe, and they have to. So, so there's a theme at the time of you know, like when that film was made, of, of all these superpowers in the world having weapons, nukes, whatever, and it was just like in their mind to have this idea of, you know, uh, warring nations is bad. What would an alien race think of of our fighting on our planet, and how would they stop us and reset that? When they did the remake with Keanu Reeves they changed it from being about warring to being about destroying of the environment. And the aliens that were coming there weren't coming to be an invading force. They were coming to try to stop the industrialization of the world and the destruction of the environment and build sort of a, a Noah's Ark to ferry living life onto a, you know, basically reset everything in the same way. So one was about war because the time was very much about war and one was about the environment because our time is very much about the environment. There, why did they have to link this one to the use of nuclear weapons just because the original um, was, was all related to the fallout from nuclear weapons and testing and all that kind of stuff? Like, why not take it your own route and do your own thing, even if they would have gone groanworthy and it would have been completely an environmentalist message like everybody was complaining Noah was about, that still would have been better than shoehorning in, like, comparison to stuff that is less prevalent now. It, it, it speaks to how, like, on the nose and preachy the movie is about its random messages that I was actually afraid Fukushima was going to show up in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> as, like, another reason for Godzilla existing. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually had a sigh of relief when the movie ended and it had never been mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it was just... It tried to shoehorn in all these things, the meaningful stuff, but it it earned it less than, like, Captain America did, even. Like, there was just nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think I'll say... I mean, I, I think that... Um, like, I think it's fine if they wanted to use the whole nuke analogy again in this uh, in this remake. But the difference between, and like how you pointed out with the, the original Day There Stood Still versus the remake, uh, which is pretty much an on-point example of the original Godzilla and this Godzilla, because one is really good and has a lot of subtext to it, and the remake is really bad. And doesn't have a lot of <laughs> subtext to it, um, but I mean the original. Hey, but but ju- just like this movie, the 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 remake of the day there still has a really awesome scene in the middle where there's sort of an interrogation slash slash exposition scene happening. Um, Are you talking about so. the scene where they try to decide the fate of humanity in a McDonald's? Be- no, the scene <laughs> where where like they're asking Keanu Reeves like who he is, where he's from, and whether or not he's an alien. He's proving to them using his masterful control of electronics. Honestly, I don't Um, even remember because that movie was a pile of poop, but well, I'll take your word for it for, for remembering, but, uh, but yeah, but, um, the original Godzilla was definitely, you know, like a metaphor for, uh, the current state of Japan. And it, you know, it had a lot underneath it all instead of just being, you know, a monster movie. And this movie has, no subtext whatsoever if you were to try and get any there is none so it's like there there's no and again that kind of goes back into the film not really feeling anything massive like for a movie about a giant monster there's really no weight to this like you're going to you're going to forget about it like within a day really cuz like there's nothing memorable from it there's nothing to to pull from 
So anyway, yeah, yeah I, I agree that, you know, that uh, maybe, you know, maybe they could have done something differently, but I, I think they could have done the same. They could have done what they did here, but they just didn't execute it in the right way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Another interesting thing is everybody was complaining about Man of Steel um, because of all like the destruction and how like a billion people probably would have died during all those fights. Right. Um, in this film, the way they get around that is one scene where a guy says they're evacuating evacuating everybody down to the subways, and that's supposed to mean like yeah, oh t- everybody's out of the city <laughs> and clear of the destruction. Yeah, down to the Bart uh, trains. But uh, but 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 then there was that scene where like the I think Godzilla was walking through or one of the monsters and there's still people like up in office buildings like up in the in the skyscrapers like I guess still working because their boss sucks <laughs> I don't know like it, it just didn't make any sense well they had a deadline to I, I don't know why anyone was in San Francisco <laughs> at that point again because it's a peninsula they can just go down it's easy <laughs> also I, I I was under the impression that everyone who worked in San Francisco worked out of a garage I didn't know that there was office buildings am i mistaken is no there are office buildings too. Uh, oh, okay yeah there's both. <laughs> you learn something every day yeah <laughs> yep exactly hopefully people get that that was a joke and i'm not that because yeah. <laughs> every once in a while people so. are like i can't believe you didn't know this and it's like i'm just it was yeah joke. we're anyway with you <laughs> so any, any last comments you guys i'm good i, I think we've expounded all of our uh godzilla-ness Okay, I've, I've, well. I've breathed all the nitrogen fire I could. Yeah. <laughs> I could feel so many street racing cars. <laughs> the Godzilla flame. All right. Well, uh, we thank you guys if you're still with us for listening through uh, this ranting period of the spoiler territory. Um, but yeah, we will catch you next week with our review of X Men. Days of Future Past, which, you know, considering it involves time paradoxes, I'm sure there'll be no ranting <gasps> in the spoiler uh, section. No, 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 no. I'm sure it'll be no. completely accurate. <laughs> I don't Nothing want world your building, suffering. No hey. I don't want your future. <laughs> I, I'm, I actually saw, like, for some... I actually saw, like, the trailer for the first time in front of Neighbors. I think it looks pretty good, though. Like, I, I for some reason, I avoided the trailer until then, wait, but... Uh, <laughs> wait, all said the trailer for what? Uh, for X-Men. Oh, okay, yeah. I said for the neighbors. I was no, like, no, no, no. That last week, no. Before I, neighbors, I saw the trailer, saw the trailer for X Men before neighbors. So did did you see the one, the the because the, there's been like three trailers. I think did you see one that actually showed the Sentinels in action? I saw like I guess it was I guess it's the most recent trailer because it it ended with the uh, the money shot of like the stadium hitting the the road while the car was driving next to it. There might be one after that, actually. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, that's the one I saw, and, like, that's the first, like, actual full trailer I'd seen in a theater for some Like, I just avoided it somehow. So did you see the the trailer? Like, I think one of the last shots in the trailer is is young Beast looking at old Wolverine going, do I make it in the future? And Wolverine just looks at him and goes, no, and then takes off running. That was, uh, that was in the trailer, but it wasn't oh, the yeah? last part, yeah. Or maybe yeah. it was. I can't remember. But, yeah, like, I... I, I I'm I'm excited for it. Oh, I'm I'm excited too. Yeah, I mean I love first class, so I think that you know. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen's being excited. I don't so know. It's, 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 to go. It's, I'm 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 trying to restrain my coughing right now. <laughs> oh, okay, no worries. We'll, right, we'll just we'll, we'll just end it. We'll cut it right now. Yeah. Cut the let's cord. Let's take mm-hmm. take off now and save all this comment for next week's episode and edit. Mm-hmm.